Welcome to Playing Funk. Uh, we are the hosts. I'm Georg Helmerson. And I'm Aaron Smith. Today we have a fantastic and interesting friend uh, from across the river. Our friend living in Cambridge, Julio Zuniga. Um, a, uh, we'll let him introduce himself, but he's a, a beautiful composer um, right now doing his doctorate at Harvard. Um, and let's get into talking about his music. Welcome to the show, Welcome Julio. Welcome to the show. Well, my name is Julio Zuniga. I'm a composer. I work a lot with electronics and um, acoustic instruments. I make uh, field recordings and try to combine all those uh, three things in my musical language. And it's a practice that I've been developing for the past, uh, I guess, more intensely for the past five years, but uh, it goes way back. Um, what else? I'm from Costa Rica originally, um, and right now I'm in the last, hopefully the last stages of a, of a PhD. Yeah. Sweet. At Harvard. At Harvard, yeah. Yeah, sweet. Great. Um, well, since you, since you mentioned it, uh, I guess we can kind of maybe flip a little bit. It doesn't have to be so linear. We can flip a little bit in and out. But since you mentioned field recording um, in that, like, kind of, <laughs> may, stop me if I'm... Georg, if I'm going too directly right into the, the meat of things, but like speaking of this piece, which we're going to feature um, in the podcast called Schemes That Offer Us a Sense of Futurity, and we'll, we'll uh, play the whole thing at the end of the podcast too, but we'll play little bits and pieces. That has some field recordings in it. Can you just talk a little right. bit about, I mean, it's, it's up on your website, but can you talk a little bit about uh, kind of that links up with this other project you were doing, right? Can you talk a little bit about where those come from and I'm also just kind of opening this up to for you to talk more in a large way about your field recording kind of practice, how you see that right. and how that's kind of changed. Yeah. Uh, okay. So in this piece, it's it's very particular. It's a little different from the way it has been in the past because mm. um, I wrote that piece in almost complete isolation. <laughs> so mm. I spent the, the past year and a half uh, back in Costa Rica and... Um, I was living on a farm by myself uh, and then with this dog that, that kept coming to my house and I eventually let her in. And I had to write a piece, but I didn't really know how, how to do that in that moment. It, this was like November 2020. It was mm -hmm. kind of difficult for all of us probably. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you're, you already so, had the commission from talk. You like knew that that's yeah. what you were going to be working on while you were in isolation basically. Yeah, exactly. And the deadline was coming up, so I, I had to do something. Um, so what I decided to do is I had been collecting stuff. Uh, mm. Not only, like this relates to field recordings, but it's not exclusively about field recordings. I had been collecting, you know, like fallen leaves and flowers and making drawings and uh -huh. annotations and things about my daily life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and that included sometimes you know, going on a hike with my pair of microphones, setting mm -hmm. them up to record something specific. And um, I, I sort of made like a, a kind of diary of, of those, I think it was eight months or something. Mm -hmm. 
and then try to translate most of that into music. Uh, so mm. some of it, in this case, actually, the field recordings are the most uh, sort of concrete example of that because mm-hmm. it was a one-to-one, you know, like mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. that I recorded and then made it into the piece. Right. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't necessarily only that. Um, You're saying other things, things made were, it in. Right, yeah. So there were things like some pictures that I had taken of... Mm. Uh, um, a TV playing a Selena song mm-hmm. on a specific day that was very <laughs> right. rainy and I couldn't actually mm-hmm. hear the TV. And that also made it into the, into the piece as uh, something that appears to be a field recording, but it's actually sort of an, uh, a reimagining of an event, of right. an anecdote of those times. Gotcha. Yeah, and talking about it a little bit more broadly, I um, I think that in the past five or, or six years or so, I've been interested in uh, sort of changing spaces within the piece. Um, mm-hmm. And one way of doing that has been through the use of actual um, uh, recorded spaces. So, mm-hmm. The piece can be living in a very sort of enclosed mm-hmm. uh, electronic environment, and then it would open up to mm-hmm. uh, to a very open field and outdoor area, and then it would mm-hmm. close up again to a different space and, and things like mm-hmm. that. And that happens several times within the same piece, usually. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like traveling, like they're like snapshots at different places. Yeah, exactly. Like opening windows uh, uh, to yeah. entirely different spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also it it's it was making me think of too in this piece, but also I feel like other pieces of yours that I know, um, it it's not only just space, but it's also like a time to a specific time. And I mean, maybe uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily I think you said before that it's not necessarily a COVID piece, but like mm-hmm. that there's mm-hmm. definitely like some kind of time element. Um, that it's looking back on so it involves not just uh, showing snapshots of places but it's also like memories in some way is would that be a uh, is that is that something you were thinking of yeah yeah of course so so, uh, I mean one thing that would be maybe a little bit harder to talk about but that is is definitely present in that piece Mm -hmm. is that all of these things have meaning to to Mm -hmm. me you know Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. so there's a there's an effort in trying to communicate that meaning through sound uh, right. to probably to varying degrees of success but um, right. so for example the the I don't remember how long it is but the five to se- ten second yeah. um, fragment of the Selena song mm-hmm. is then sort of mirrored uh, in the piece uh, so I can give you a very specific example the mm-hmm. the singer the soprano only sings I I I that's mm-hmm. that's the whole mm-hmm. part that she sings mm-hmm. that corresponds to the part of the song of the Selena song where, where mm-hmm. Selena says, ah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. And there's stuff cool. like that um, yeah. all, over the, all over the place. Mm-hmm. 
And is that like, so, so just, I mean, right before the ending there, I know we are jumping way ahead, but it, it just stuck me like, wow, this is strange. That must come from something that really specific harmonic moment uh, right before uh, the kind of last page. There is like this, you know, kind of chord broken up. Uh, is cut and I, I felt like wow okay I'd heard it before and that was probably from that commercial opening uh, earlier on in the piece is that uh, no I know exactly what you're talking about but it, it's not okay. that but uh, I mean I'll talk about it but it needs to be it needs a little bit of context so yeah I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll okay. explain the context. <laughs> all right all right okay so early on in the pandemic I was mm -hmm. I had just moved uh, to this farm and I didn't have anything at home mm -hmm. so Uh, I needed like, you know, plates and cups and, and things mm. like that. Uh -huh. And I was at the supermarket and they had, they were selling this coffee. Uh, the coffee is called, the brand of the coffee is called Legend. And they had mm. this sort of promotion where you could buy like a, a bigger bag of coffee and it came with a cup. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> and each cup uh, was illustrated with a local legend. Mm. Huh. Okay. Uh, one of them was, uh, I don't know, maybe you're familiar with the legend of La Girona. It's like right. a Mesoamerican, uh, mm -hmm. shared through Mesoamerica. Yeah. But there are others that are more more local. There's one called uh, the cart without ox. So it's a cart that uh, that has no ox, but still rolls. And, rolls. and you don't, no one actually sees it, but you hear it mm -hmm. in the countryside. Mm -hmm. There's another one that is about a, a dog that accompanies drunk people at night, uh, carries <laughs> them home at night. But no one actually sees the dog. They only hear the chains as they huh. drag on the, mm. on the ground. Cool. And similarly, I thought that Girona is, is a, a, a character that no one actually sees. You just, most of these, of the versions of the legend have to do with the cries of a woman near a river. Right. Mm. And how you hear the cries, but it's actually, it's kind of a ghost, right? The mm -hmm. ghost story. Mm -hmm. So that made me think of... Uh, the significance of sound in all of those stories. Like they're, right. they're sort of acousmatic in a sense, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when I started, when I sat down to write the piece, uh, it was going to be about, I, w I don't want to say that it was about La Llorona, but it, it was supposed to be inspired by, by this sort of line of, th of thinking. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't say that in the end th that it actually is that because it became yeah. all, all of these other things. Right. Mm -hmm. But there are references to that throughout. So the I.I.I., for example, is like a it's like a cry, right? Uh, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. That fragment that Georg mentioned is uh, actually referring to one of the Dichter Liebe by by Schumann. Uh -huh. And that uh -huh. specific moment is about um, I think the lyrics go something like uh, a river of tears or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so most of these. Uh, Most of the recordings have to do with that. There's another mm. section right before the very explicit, or not right before, but before the very explicit quotation of the Zelena song, mm -hmm. where uh, you have this Brownian noise uh, section. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, you hear the song sort of buried in inside of the mm -hmm. noise, sort of mm -hmm. halfway through it. Mm -hmm.
and uh, that had to do with something similar with which was uh, the a very very present memory from childhood for me mm. which is uh, that so I'm from a tropical country and mm. most mm. most houses have a corrugated zinc roof um, mm. and it rains a lot obviously during the rainy season <laughs> so when it rains a lot you kind of don't hear anything but the rain so you're mm. like uh, you know the rain masks everything else mm -hmm. right uh so that section to me was sort of a, a an abstract representation of that mm -hmm. uh, sort of this overwhelming noise mm -hmm. that <laughs> has something buried mm -hmm. underneath right. it which then sort of relates to the idea of this sort of very loud river uh and the, uh, yeah, the illusion okay. that you hear mm -hmm. something yeah. Um, yeah yeah right so it's almost like instead of it being about like your own uh specifically it's almost like it's more about the like I, like you said we're saying the acousmatic like signaling that exactly. happens in that mm -hmm. and you're kind of it, the thing that was making me think of when i i didn't know all of course each of the references but you could sense that there were certain things were referencing something at least um it was almost like that they were there there's like this kind of semiotic kind of uh semiotic acousmatics or something like that where everything seems to mean something and be pointing in a certain direction towards something but you don't always have like that both the sign and the signifier type of a thing <laughs> while you're <laughs> listening to it um and the the just uh bringing this out a little bit larger i i know for instance the the rain sound that you were mentioning with the roof that made me think of an older piece of yours too i think you do something kind of similar with like a double beat, double bass piece or something where the double bass is making some kind of rain sound. So this, anyways, I guess what I'm getting at with that is this this practice is not unlike other pieces yeah. of yours um, and is developing a more long-term practice, but, uh, but it's a little bit different, right? Yeah, so I don't know if this is the one you're talking about, but I, had, I, I wrote an orchestra piece once that had two snare drums um, mm -hmm. And what I did for that one was to I made I recorded rain on an umbrella, mm -hmm. and then I took how did I do that? Okay, <laughs> I took that recording and used it as a. Hmm. I took the recording of the rain falling on, on an umbrella, uh -huh. and use it used the percussive sounds of the rain right. to then trigger. Uh, synthesizer that was playing the resonating frequency of mm. the snare drum okay yeah and then i use a transducer that. yeah and then i use a transducer connected to the snare drum so that the snare drum would be then playing the the rain let's say mm. cool. mm -hmm. yeah yeah cool cool and yeah it's something it's a it's a recurring theme yeah in my stuff mm -hmm. Sweet. D does it does your use of field recording always work in this way of kind of like this collecting um for instance i guess just to put it super bluntly i'm thinking of uh i don't know have you read uh michael bizarro's like field recording manifesto thing um, no i haven't he has he has this uh I, I think it's a really uh interesting kind of like breakdown of uh different kinds of methods or, or questions one asks oneself when field recording um mm -hmm. And I think one of the components of that, if I'm rem remembering correctly, has to do with uh, it, all that's about perspective in some way, right? Um, and so I think one of the things that I feel like comes up 
because field, rec field recording keeps coming up in our conversations with people, actually. Um, mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. I think one thing that people seem to differ on is kind of like how they uh, how they manage that in their lives, let's say. Like, for instance, we were talking to, a, 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 let's say, a noise artist guy in Western Massachusetts, Howard Seltzer. And he was saying he hates the term field recording because he thinks it implies like that he's always he's always on, he's always like collecting and scavenging and like he's building up this repository. Um, I don't think that's inherently a, I don't think he thinks it's inherently a negative thing either. I think just for him, it's not what he wants to do. Um, so I guess anyways, what I'm getting at with that is, it, are you, are you doing that like constant collecting and you have like a little uh, archive of your own in some ways, and then you're kind of pulling from that? Or is it more um, specific or a mix? Maybe it seems like maybe it's a mix. Yeah, it's a mix, but it changes with every piece. So yeah, the reason why I said that this one was a little particular was because I think because of the circumstances, mm -hmm. I didn't necessarily have like a clear starting point uh, for the piece. You know, mm -hmm. so I worked from the collect the collection that I had been mm -hmm. making, not not for a piece, just for you know, for my own life, for anything. Right. Uh, but that is not that is not exactly what happens with other pieces uh, okay. all the time. Like sometimes mm -hmm. it's more intentional, and I have. Uh -huh. uh, so let's say, for example, in this example that I gave of the the rain on the the umbrella, of course, that, that was an idea that I had beforehand, and I sort of set it up so that mm -hmm. right. I would mm -hmm. I would collect what I wanted to collect, and it wasn't right. this sort of extra pair of ears mm -hmm. listening to everything and then. Yeah. Uh, making this repository right that was that was different okay, okay but i think it changes with every piece and it yeah depends on the intentions mm -hmm. right i i think uh, i mean what is interesting also just to think about these chunks of material is to ask you kind of bluntly i mean like i've i've noticed that in in some of your older pieces as well uh, it seems to be that you have a really specific thought on on structure in many ways like throughout your pieces and and like you have like clear sectional boundaries these are often like really marked in the score and like material is like you know how how do you how do you kind of think how do you kind of conceive when for you comes like the the notion of structure while building the piece yeah, honestly, I think it comes kind of early on, mm -hmm. uh, but I want to say this cautiously because uh, I make I'm, I make like super specific mm. uh, structural plans mm. beforehand, and I have I have sort of a rough idea of what's going to happen. For yourself, yeah, uh, in each mm -hmm. of these segments that you're talking about, mm -hmm. or each of these uh, blocks, mm -hmm. and and then I come, but I, I that makes them seem as 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 sort of containers of mm -hmm. of you know, like with, with ambiguity as to what goes in them. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's not necessarily what, what happens. Like usually mm -hmm. I would make the structure with a specific I idea of what it will sound like in mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I get obsessive with like how precise that can be. But then that also, mm -hmm. I need to keep some flexibility so that mm -hmm. uh, when I'm actually writing the piece and, uh, I mean, usually I, I write it down on a score and, and stuff. Mm -hmm. So when I'm writing the score, uh, 
if something doesn't work, if something needs to be longer or shorter, uh, then mm-hmm. the structure needs to allow that to happen um, mm-hmm. up to the the very last minute. So, for example, I want one example that I can give you of this piece that we're talking about schemes mm-hmm. that offer us a mm-hmm. sense of futurity is um, up until the day of the recording. So rehearsals, everything uh, went mm-hmm. by. And then the day of the recording, we have, there's another section that we haven't talked about that is this clarinet multiphonic mm-hmm. right. that I, I developed with the clarinetist in, in, in conversation mm-hmm. with the clarinetist. Mm. Mm-hmm. And they played it so well mm-hmm. that uh, I didn't really care that it was longer. It was much longer than <laughs> I intended. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. So the structure of the whole piece had to allow for some flexibility in terms of mm-hmm. the weight of, of different sections. And mm-hmm. what I decided mm-hmm. to do in the end was to keep the the recording that we had made of the multiphonic the way uh, Madison had played it mm-hmm. and then sort of balance that out with uh, shortening the brown noise section uh, mm-hmm. of the, the one that is supposed to represent this sort of heavy mm-hmm. rain or a, or, a, or a river or something mm-hmm. like that. Right. Um, and it wasn't. It wasn't only the fact that uh, multiphonic was longer, but also I had. I had kept feeling that uh, that noise section was a little long because uh, I don't know how to say this without extending too much. But it's something that I have done in similar ways in other pieces. And I have. I have one, for example, where there's a white noise section that lasts for over seven minutes. Wow. Um, I, I felt like the gesture of doing that seemed kind of old to me because I had already mm. done it and it didn't mm-hmm. really need to be that long this time. Ah, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're adjusting to yourself in some ways. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool, cool. Cool. I mean, like related to that, I, I think uh, I'm, I'm like always kind of interested. Uh, sometimes there is and an that you know, relates to form as well, but it seems like some of these, some of these section have uh, some little processes that are happening. Uh, others are more of like, uh, you know, here's just like a little bit of material, like here's sound. Um, do you like, how do you think about like process within your music? changes harmony maybe is that something that you know really is um you know present while you are composing or is that more of the uh, often kind of afterthought or exploration uh no it's definitely something that is present but Mm -hmm. i think uh i think the the so you say that there are some where there are processes and some that are more static I think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it would be fair to say that most of them are very static mm-hmm. and there's yeah. very few that are that have carry some kind of process yeah. yeah you know have like little kind of 20 things where it seems like you know they have like some sort of a function mm-hmm. against each other yeah I think uh, I mean that might be changing right now except in the, the pieces that i'm writing now is this is not necessarily the case but i think mm-hmm. that in what i've written in the past few years four or five years um my intention and this is why the structure was 
or, or defining predefining the structure was so important. My mm -hmm. intention was to create a, a sort of dialogue or even counterpoint, if you want to call mm -hmm. it that, between one block and the next, and mm -hmm. not necessarily mm -hmm. within them. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, I don't know how much I can talk about harmony without. Uh, like I don't know how important it is in this in the from a point of view of of you know really talking about the components of a mm -hmm. of let's say a chord and mm -hmm. right. how they progress because there's usually not a lot of movement within the, these blocks. Mm -hmm. right. But what's important is what comes before and after, and and especially what the way your brain connects them, sort mm -hmm. of. Uh, uh -huh. Especially when it happens forcibly, <laughs> so right. I mean, in, in mm -hmm. some cases, the the contrast is so stark that mm -hmm. they seem like they don't don't belong don't belong together. Mm -hmm. But I think that because it is presented as as a piece, mm -hmm. your brain will sort of do the work and mm -hmm. and and sort of connect them in some way. And I, I'm right. interested in that process. Right. I think, and mm -hmm. that seems to be also why like. Um, your music, I feel like, uh, tends to have a kind of, I mean, I think you use this word yourself, so I'll use this word, like it tends to have like a blocky nature to it, right? Because mm -hmm. in some ways you're, and, and there, let's somewhat put it in perspective, there's kind of a, I feel like there's some kind of precedent or tradition of this, of this kind of like, <laughs> you know what it makes me think of is uh, I just was at the eye doctor last week and okay. you know the kind of like when they they are testing your eyes right they like say this and now this <laughs> which one's which one's better and you're obviously measuring each one you, you can't help in a human way to measure the the second one against the first one right and I <laughs> in a neurotic way I find myself struggling with the test because you know, one of them might have been better, but it seems like the first one messed up the second one in some way. So I'm like, ah, now I'm confused which one, you know? Um, anyways, I think there's there's a kind of a, a precedent or a tradition um, in, in, in experimental music, you know, maybe, I don't know, coming from Lucier or something um, of this kind of like this and now this kind of a thing, which is this kind of like um, psychoacoustic test <laughs> kind of thing. Um, I guess it sounds like though you're saying that you're in your newer stuff, maybe past this piece, um, that we can uh, look forward to hearing. You're moving a little bit away from the block, or no? Uh, I think it got a little out of hand. Like uh, I, I have, <laughs> yeah. I have one one piece. Uh, it's it's called Mum, mm. where I I kind of took this to the extreme. So there's no. For example, there's no single crescendo or decrescendo. Uh, mm. every, everything is a block and everything is sort of, uh, mm. you know, in or out. Uh, uh, right. There's a lot of contrast going on. Uh -huh. um, I even, I remember when we were in rehearsals for that piece, there's this big section um, that's this very thick synth sound right in the middle that was uh, initially was this very loud block and I realized during rehearsals that I had that, that didn't work that it had to sort of decrease a little bit had to I had to do a, a little bit of a fade out but very very little you know yeah. so that it worked with what <laughs> was behind it mm -hmm. and I remember 
it took me two days to, to make the decision that that, that was actually okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that just felt like too much, like, okay, I mean, it's fine, this was a good experiment, but I can uh -huh. kind of move on from that. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. So I think in a way, the, even the piece that we're talking about is already sort of moving in a different direction. Mm -hmm. Right, gotcha. Yeah, I think yeah. between the, for example, between the brown noise part and the Selena yeah. quotation, mm -hmm. there yeah. is this section that is very different from other things yeah. that I've done, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. It's basically like a, like a short song Mm -hmm. That happens in, in the very high register. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. true. That did feel much less. That did feel different in its like mm -hmm. blockiness, like a much more subtle mm -hmm. in some way. Mm -hmm. So I think I mean even even that part, like it still block, it, it still works as uh, 
maybe as a contrast to what comes mm-hmm. before and after. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Yeah. but within it, there's more right. room for mm-hmm. right. yeah. There are levels mm-hmm. like of blackness, yes. right? There. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, like, it's so interesting at the beginning we were talking about, like, that you wrote this piece in, like, total eight-month isolation. Um, and I didn't know that, you know, when I was uh, listening to it. Um, so, um, did it feel, you know, did you feel the loneliness? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> I can't imagine being alone, like, you know, and I, like, I have a daughter and I have a wife, you know, always around me, uh, you know, and, you know, I, I would be scared, I think, to be alone. <laughs> or, uh, you mean, did I feel it while I was writing it or in the piece? Yeah, or? no, I mean, like, you know, that would be like maybe my next question, but the personality, like, uh, mm. did you cope well yourself? I mean, I definitely felt very isolated. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I think something interesting happened where I... I hadn't been listening to a lot of music before mm-hmm. this period. And during this period, it was, it just felt so enriching to, mm-hmm. to engage with music again and, and with right. art in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, and I think if, if there's a way in which the isolated isolation is transmitted in the piece, I think is, is mostly through a sense of, uh, gratitude. Like I'm, I'm really yeah. grateful that, mm-hmm. uh, that I can do this and that you mm-hmm. know, like we right. can sort of communicate in this way. Right. I don't know that there's any, <laughs> at least, <laughs> you know, explicitly uh, no, no. moments that, that should elicit loneliness mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, also, um, I guess in some ways, bringing thing, pushing things a little bit, maybe somewhat back to bio in some ways. Um, mm-hmm. I'm also interested uh, like we were just talking about a little bit earlier about this kind of maybe implantation of memory or uh, kind of even, I don't know, would you say like there's some nostalgia or something of of a past uh, life or a family or of a, an upbringing or something like that. Um, can you just maybe t- tell us a little bit? I'm curious and I don't think I know personally either, like what, um, what was your upbringing musically like in terms mm-hmm. of, do you have like, 
is that where some of this um, kind of holding on to memory and then type of a thing, is that where this kind of idea starts from childhood, let's say? I don't know if I can answer the last part, but I'll, I'll, I can talk about the upbringing a little yeah. bit. Maybe it will, it will, yeah, um, yeah. maybe it will answer itself. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So growing up when I was growing up, both my parents worked full time. So I spent, uh, from ages three to 15, I spent half my time at my aunt's place and mm -hmm. then my parents would pick me up and the rest mm -hmm. of it, I would spend at home. But mm -hmm. most of my, let's say like active waking hours uh, after school, mm -hmm. I spent at my aunt's place. Mm -hmm. And my uncle and my two cousins play guitar. So there was always a guitar mm -hmm. around. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, but it was kind of this, I mean, it was around, but I, it was not, I wasn't playing or yeah. anything. It was mm -hmm. this thing that, I, that was just there. Yeah. Um, I was more, more interested in, in drawing, actually, as, as mm. when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. um, and then eventually I started getting more interested in it and I started playing, I played uh, guitar. So initially I played electric guitar mm -hmm. um, and I played in bands for some time mm -hmm. before going to university where I had, mm -hmm. where I had to choose something different because I couldn't study that. Mm -hmm. So I started, my first major was in uh, classical guitar. Oh, really? And I, I didn't even know that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I did two, I think two and a half years of that. Huh. and then decided by that point I had started taking composition lessons and I decided that I liked that better uh, uh, but I yeah. couldn't do that back home um, right so that's when I left um, gotcha. there is I think I have a lot of memories from you know the music that my my uncle and my cousins played um, a lot of very good memories of the music that, that my parents liked for example mm -hmm. and they played mm -hmm. uh, at home Mm -hmm. uh, so I know we're not talking about this piece, but there's another. No, piece, that's great. Example. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. We can talk about anything. It doesn't have to just okay. be this piece. Yeah, yeah. Great. So there's this other piece, it's sort of recent as well. It's called "Stars from the Earth, Stars from the Stars," where, uh, similar to what happens with the Selena fragment in the the piece that we started talking about, mm -hmm. um, there's another. There's a, a little quotation uh, that's from a, a song. In this case, it's sung by Mercedes Sosa, this Argentinian um, mm -hmm. singer. Uh, that was my mother's favorite song. Mm -hmm. uh, so she mm -hmm. played it a lot when I was little. Um, cool. So there, there are things like that all around. Yeah. I mean, the, the, uh -huh. the stuff that I talked about with the, the rain, for example, is another rain. thing. Um, yeah. There is, um, and maybe this would be a, a good example as well. Yeah. In in starts from the earth, starts from the stars. That's another section, uh, like a very long section, six minutes. Mm -hmm. That is, um, it's a it's actually a field recording. Um, and I'll give a little bit of background, uh, because it, it also I think it also answers your your previous questions of yeah. as to how I I make field recordings field recordings mm -hmm. and all that. So, a few years ago, I went back home and I I was living in Germany at the time. And I went back home and I was very jet lagged. I was spend, spending time with my family and they decided to go, like, we went to the coast, spent some days uh, mm -hmm. at the beach. Mm -hmm. But I was so jet lagged that I woke up at 3 a.m. or something. I couldn't sleep and I didn't yeah. want to bother them. So I just stepped outside. Yeah. And this is a very, 
this is like full on rainforest mm -hmm. near the coast, very lush yeah. area. Cool. So what, one thing that I started noticing from, let's say, like 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. was that uh, you, I could kind of hear the sunrise happening. Mm. Like not only see the sunrise, but you could hear the, right. the change between mm. sort of insects and very small animals to right. like birds and then larger mammals and then mm -hmm. eventually uh -huh. humans. Yeah. Mm. But I didn't have my, my Zoom or any, any sort of recording device with me at uh -huh. that time. So uh -huh. when I knew that I was going to write this piece, I decided to sort of base it around that experience or, or like that experience would be a, would take on a central role in the piece. Mm. Like structurally. Yeah. So what I did was I went back and I thought, okay, how, so how do I like actually put this in a piece because yes. it's, mm. uh, the whole process took probably like one hour and a half or two hours. Right. Right? Mm. So what I, what I did is I recorded from 4.30 a.m. to 6 a.m. exactly uh -huh. in the same place where uh -huh. I had been a few years before. Uh -huh. And then I took that recording to the studio and I sort of like cut it in, in fragments that I thought were significant in, in delineating that prog the progression, right? right. Mm -hmm. And then I sort of cross-faded uh, one with the other. And mm -hmm. so what you hear in the end is this six-minute sunrise mm -hmm. recording. Uh -huh. uh, and that becomes a central part of the piece. Right. Um, cool. It's almost like a time-lapse, uh, like those time-lapse videos that they yeah. people make, right? Mm -hmm. But done in yeah. kind of an audio format yeah so the 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 answer as to how i would make it came from i don't know if you know this movie but there's this movie by a mexican director carlos regadas it's called silent light mm. um, and i remember seeing it in theaters years ago so it you you sit down and it, everything is pitch black uh -huh. and then mm. you see a sunrise and it happens i think in, in six minutes or something mm. in video it's probably uh i mean the answer would be easier because you can just right. you know, speed it up yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. But that wouldn't work with audio, so I just right. decided for yeah. the, the section in. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's that's so interesting. Yeah. Anyway, this was this was an answer. This was an answer to like the memory yeah. and the field recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that that all yeah, that all is helpful.
age or uh, I mean beginning when when be- did you become like interested or uh, when did you get introduced to kind of what we would call like art music or experimental music when did things get start getting weird for you <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I was probably eight 1819 something mm-hmm. like that so it, it was it was kind of an interesting period because i like i said i started playing electric guitar uh-huh. mm-hmm. and if i could have studied that in university mm-hmm. i probably would have uh-huh. uh-huh. but i couldn't i had to pick like it, it's very it was a very traditional university so like i had to pick something different so i started. in costa rica yeah yeah mm-hmm. so i did classical guitar instead gotcha mm-hmm. um and i liked it but there was something missing from it you know like i didn't have the experience of playing with others as much mm-hmm. i didn't have right. like my guitar pedals uh, right <laughs> uh, you know and eventually i started taking composition lessons with someone who um who was a, an electroacoustic music yeah. composer mm. and that sort of opened mm-hmm. the the field for me because then i realized that i could use sort of the knowledge mm-hmm. that i had from this thing and from this other mm-hmm. thing and sort of combine it and make this other Mm-hmm. You know, like have this other practice that could seem really interesting, where I could combine computer, right. like computers, mm-hmm. and sort of knowledge about audio equipment and right. actual playing and and um, the sort of more traditional notate notation mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. composition mm-hmm. that I had been studying privately. Um, gotcha. That that was probably around nineteen, uh, yeah, nineteen twenty mm-hmm. something like that. So you said you said you left Costa Rica um, shortly after starting composition. Yeah, I was twenty. I was twenty one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and before that, my only so my only access to experimental music of any mm-hmm. kind was through um, there all these pirate websites that I don't even <laughs> they, they probably don't yeah. exist anymore. But <laughs> they were, there was this Argentinian website where they had like I don't know the whole collection of uh, it wasn't even that new, but it was like. Schoenberg and Ligeti mm. and uh, okay. um, that wasn't really accessible to me in university but I could mm-hmm. access it find it through some, some other way yeah. Uh-huh. Huh. yeah I also knew some people I think two or three people who had left before me okay. um, so talking to them was very helpful right 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 mm-hmm. what 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 was the music uh, you said you were playing in bands and stuff before that like what what kind of stuff were you guys doing like were you getting together with your friends basically and like starting like kind of garage band type thing yeah yeah it was mostly mostly rock music i played a couple of blues bands as well Uh, i studied a little bit of jazz do you you still play not that much um i have a bass guitar now that i play Um, occasionally i play guitar yeah yeah oh cool sweet cool do you think um in a similar way do you think do you see that like I can I can see now that you explained it how that uh, kind of period was integral to this kind of fuse fusion of you know all these disparate things into what you do today. Do you mm-hmm. see that as essentially just that, like is just that music or that kind of playing was a thing from the past, or it, it, is that a thing that you see as uh, that kind of informed what you do today, or do you see that as um, I guess maybe what I'm asking in some ways is like, um, like what if, what if Julio started a, 
uh, another rock band today, what would that be like? Yeah, I wonder. I don't know. <laughs> um, no, but it's interesting you ask that right now because I'm actually writing a piece for electric guitar right now. Oh, cool. Okay. And it's it's the first piece that I write for guitar since oh, I wow. started mm. composing like more formally. That know? sounds. Is that exciting or is that sound? Is that really daunting? It's really exciting right now. So yeah. it it has been so daunting that I haven't <laughs> actually dared to do it before before uh-huh, now. Yeah. Right. Okay. But for some reason, I have like I have pretty good a pretty good idea of what I'm gonna do, and I'm excited cool. about it. And I mm-hmm. think. I don't know if that answered your question, but yeah, it would yeah, be yeah, an electric yeah. guitar playing this kind of music. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. it's not just buried mm-hmm. in the past. You're bringing, you're mm-hmm. resurrecting it to some extent. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, I mean, uh, uh, life of a composer can be really kind of isolated within his work, but in recent years, you have also done some collaborations with other composers. Um, is that something that, like, what did you learn from that? And, like, is that something you are still excited about doing and pursuing either more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's something that I really enjoyed. So I, mm. I did a, well, I did a piece with a visual artist a few years ago. Uh, and that was a really cool experience, but that is not really a composer. Mm-hmm. I did a piece with Elena Rikova, my, my friend here. Um, and that was, I think, in 2018 or something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, that was, I think, a very successful experiment because we we both, I think, I, I can speak also for her, like we we both felt like we're not only adding our stuff together, but there was something mm. new mm-hmm. that emerged from that. Mm-hmm. So I think if I can have a collaboration that is like that, uh, that mm-hmm. is as fruitful as, as that, um, I'm always excited about it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That was like an that was like an immersive, almost had like a theater aspect to it. Right. Yeah. That piece. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, which is which is not my field really, but it Mm -hmm. it became really easy to do once we started working together. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think she felt similarly about other other aspects of the piece. Yeah. Um, So right now I'm working with the same clarinetist that I that I mentioned, Madison Greenstone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We have this plan of making a. It's not even a. I don't even want to call it a piece. It's like the idea is to make something together mm-hmm. that has to do with all of these things that we've talked about, about collection mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and collaboration and, and sort of um, uh, incorporating different media. Um, so mm-hmm. I think the final product will probably be something like a like an album with added stuff. Um, mm-hmm. cool. But it, yeah, the final form. I don't. I don't really know what it's going to be. But the idea is uh, to work together for a long period of time and see what mm-hmm. happens. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Right. So I think I. I've had such a good experience doing that in the past few years that I would mm-hmm. like to always have at least one project like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I feel like that. That's also been a thing that's come up in a lot of our conversations with people too because I don't know I think and I I think about this all the time too in my own practice of like I think that it's funny how maybe it's maybe it's a thing from our generation or something like that where so many people in uh, making experimental music of like around our age ish um, have had this experience of playing lots of different types of music and especially let's just say like playing in a band or something like that and have that as part of their past um 
And I think that's something maybe like an older generation didn't necessarily have this kind of like, uh, let's say musical progression through very disparate things. Like I feel like it used to be much more concentrated in some ways. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. um, like, I, you know, again, speaking for myself, like always searching for like this thing where you can still do the thing that you are doing today, but almost like, you know, I say to friends and collaborators all the time, like, let's just make it like more like we're in a band again, <laughs> you know, like bringing that same kind of a, uh, I think there's something so enticing about that, even if the garage blues music that we were all making in our garages, what isn't the thing that we would want to be making today. There's still something that we learned from that or like something that kind of uh, stuck with us in some way. Yeah, and I think like there is always this kind of magic that happens within like being in a band and in a group and like, you know, the sen sense of both belonging and, you know, yeah. creating something that you own together that right. becomes like something of a special thing because like usually when we uh, <laughs> when we create something, it's kind of hard, you know, it's special, but, you know, we don't want to like, you know, be, you know, brag about it or you know or <laughs> or something but when you own something together you can be oh, really yeah. like uh -huh. you know we we own this kit here together uh, yeah, yeah uh -huh. um there's something special that happens both yeah. within the energy of creation and then like kind of the, the you know bearing when it had you know when it bears its fruit uh, um at the same time becomes like rewarding in another way as well a joint investment in a thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah I, I would love to play with people more. I think, I mean, maybe this is a dumb excuse, but I, I feel like I have moved around so much that, mm -hmm. uh, and playing with other people is such a, you know, it requires such an intimate environment yeah, for it to, yeah, to be yeah. like what, what you're saying for, for it to sort of totally. into this spe mm -hmm. really special thing. That I feel like I haven't had time to be like, okay, so right. I'm I'm doing this with you and you and you and, mm -hmm. and like we right. get together every day and like or every mm -hmm. week and yeah, yeah. maybe something happens, maybe not. It, it feels like mm -hmm. everything has right. been a little more he hectic than than mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Hopefully, at some point, um, yeah, I can do it again. But mm -hmm. I, I also wanted to touch on on something that I think is related to to a question that you asked earlier, Georg, because I feel the same way about. Uh, you know, I, I, I agree that, that the work that we do is sometimes kind of isolating. Mm -hmm. But one thing that happened, and it's maybe kind of intuitive, but one thing that happened during isolation, especially during w when I was writing that piece, mm -hmm. was that I really actually came to value that type of work again. Mm -hmm. Like, like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure that I feel very comfortable doing that as well. Mm -hmm. uh, what, sitting in a cabin by yourself type of a thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not necessarily in a cabin, but just <laughs> yeah. composing by myself, yeah, 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 making yeah. music that someone mm -hmm. else would play, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So yeah. you re-fell in love with the, that that process again? Sort of, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And um, I mean, and one, one, I mean, interesting thing that, I mean, like I both wrote down, I think this is like 10 minute, piece it, it's probably one of the um you got shorter pieces than that um and and i'm just like thinking about length usually your pieces aren't that long uh, um are they well uh, right before 
this one, the skins piece mm. that we're talking about, the previous three pieces that I had written were all around 15 to 18 minutes long. Okay. And not only that, but they were part of the triptych. So that the, the three of them together are something mm -hmm. around 50 minutes or something. Mm -hmm. uh, that felt kind of long to me, but I don't know if you mean longer than that. No, 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 no. No, I mean, they, they seem like, uh, I would say, long, normal size pieces. But <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, pieces before that often were, were shorter. Um, uh, yeah, or, when, when do you mean? Um, because so maybe I can talk a little bit about this too. Yeah, so in yeah. the in the last few years here at Harvard, I've I've kind of used this space to to experiment more freely. Like mm. you know, I, mm -hmm. I can kind of I feel like I can kind of do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. So one thing that I that I did in the past few years was I composed um, parts of what would then become longer pieces. Mm -hmm. okay. uh, so mm -hmm. for example, in this piece that I mentioned, Mom, uh, mm -hmm. that's for, it's for piccolo flute, uh, contrabass clarinet and cello and mm -hmm. electronics. Mm -hmm. There was previously a piece for piccolo flute and, cl and contrabass clarinet that was mm -hmm. one piece. Mm -hmm. And then there was a cello piece with electronics that was another piece. Mm -hmm. But I composed those two knowing that they would then come together in this longer one. Okay. Uh, so they do exist as shorter pieces, but they, mm -hmm. they serve the purpose of this longer one. Okay. So they're, they're not just like sketches that, that they are like their own entities, let's say, but like mm -hmm. they still informed something that was like a more, I don't want to say advanced, but like a more full version of that experimentation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I've done shorter stuff, but it is usually like it's usually like a step toward mm -hmm. uh, okay. something mm -hmm. larger. Cool. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and the other thing that, that uh, I was thinking about that's kind of another step away, if, if that's okay, mm -hmm. um, is uh, this schemes piece also comes from this piece that you did with a friend of yours, or this thing for phonema, right? Where it has, like you were saying, that in this diary idea. You been you took some video of stuff and if if you will link to the um, talk video as well and in that you even did you edit the video for that or that's your material like video material right because Which it has basically for yeah well like it has these parts where like the you know when the Selena song comes on it has the waves mm -hmm. and it has um, I think maybe one other kind of um, image from outside of the rehearsal space or whatever um, yeah and it, it yeah I edited similar, the video. I, you edited it, yeah okay. And then I saw your um, on your Vimeo like these diary kind of things, right? Of these different places. Um, that's very much in line with like all the things we were talking about in terms of uh, capturing and collecting memories and then fusing them together into different things. Um, yeah. Do you and also folding in the piece with uh, uh, Elena? Um, and maybe these more kind of like visual pieces. You had a piece, I think, uh, that I saw at Harvard where with like the seashell um, and mm -hmm. had some light situation as well. Um, can you just talk a little bit about uh, how like you mentioned so many things in terms of like visual translations of things in your work and, you know, maybe 
I'm being too like psychoanalytic about it, but you talked about like your starting as like an interest in drawing first. Um, Mm -hmm. How has the visual element kind of progressed in your music, uh, both for performance and not? And how's it going in the future? Like, I I know at dinner I asked you, like, we talked about, uh, we talked about making stuff for video or for film or whatever. Um, But do you, is there a home or a way for you to use the visual stuff that you said, like you collected during isolation, for instance, and maybe coming out with like your own video, maybe not Mm -hmm. like for a film or something like that, but um, yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's a difficult question to answer. So the the short answer would would be no, uh, (laughs) but maybe just just to elaborate a little bit. with the diary, the the thing that I made for Fonema with 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 Danny, mm-hmm. my friend Danny Walden, right? Uh, that was really fun. It was really fun to to edit these videos mm-hmm. and uh, and it's something that I like doing. But it's I for for whatever reason it has remained sort of separate from mm. the the more musical factors. In yeah. the case of the tag video, for example, I understand that there's a I think some people have mentioned that it, it seems like more more than a simple document video documentation mm, of the piece, yeah, sure. but I was honestly just thinking about it as a as video documentation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, and with the, the piece with the seashell is actually the one that I mentioned for for piccolo and contrabass and and sine tones, mm-hmm. uh, that then became part of the larger one. Mm-hmm. Oh right, uh, yeah, okay. So what I have done in the past is is stuff like that. So if I don't, I don't know if, uh, if you remember the piece well, but it's basically uh, it starts in darkness and then there's like a, a spotlight on the seashell that then fades right. away mm-hmm. and that's kind of it. Uh, so anything that I've done visually with my music has been sort of in that vein, like very, very minimal, mm-hmm. um, except for the piece that I just finished writing, but it hasn't been premiered mm. yet. So I, I have... Like I would like to talk about it, but I don't really know <laughs> how to because I haven't seen it yet. But I can uh, tell you okay. that uh-huh. mm-hmm. I can tell you that, for example, the piece ends with uh, it's for three percussionists, it's for for line upon line, uh-huh. uh, and the piece ends with one of the percussionists. Uh, so one of the percussionists is, is playing sandpaper. Uh-huh. Uh, the other one starts playing with actual sand and and a glass jar, and then the third percussionist has uh, like a lump of clay. Mm-hmm. The, a very l- wet lump of, lump of clay mm-hmm. that is is miked uh-huh. uh, and going through a vocoder that is also then f- uh, being fed by a mic on his near his mouth the percussionist oh. mouth mm-hmm. uh-huh. so he will start shaping the clay in sort of anthropomorphic forms and mm-hmm. then speaking vowels and the idea is that the, the clay through the vocoder the clay will start speaking and, and that's mm-hmm. uh, that is uh, seen by the audience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of a, a little bit of a departure for me because so far they have been, as I said, like re- really minimal uh, examples of mm-hmm. things like that. And sort of static also. The seashell was a static thing. Mm-hmm. Right, um, right. Uh-huh. The other piece starts from the earth, starts from the start. The, the one with the, the sunrise recording mm-hmm. that's played in full darkness until the very end where... The percussionist mm. has a spotlight on on them, and, mm-hmm. and you can see a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Gotcha.
say like you you feel that you could have been doing or for the last years you could have do done whatever um how has it been at like harvard i mean like who who has been like your main teacher and like you know can you expand a little bit on like kind of the camaraderie that happens in sure yeah side of your department uh yeah so my main teacher is haya chernovin mm. i've also studied with hans tuchku um, mm. more more the electronic side but i've also taken lessons with hans mm -hmm. that happened though in my first so this is my sixth year mm -hmm. uh, that happened the first three or four years and so i haven't taken lessons with either of them since then mm -hmm. um, but i i did i feel like the there's a very nice collegial and friendly environment uh, in the department that i've been mm -hmm. privileged enough to have so i have i've learned a lot of a lot from my colleagues basically is what, mm -hmm. I'm, mm -hmm. what i'm saying mm -hmm. and the other part that that allows for um for what i was saying of, of being able to experiment more freely is that um, I feel like the residents that we have give us is also again like a really privileged environment in the sense that we have this usually this very good ensembles coming mm -hmm. here mm -hmm. for a week and mm -hmm. I mean there's a little bit of pressure you know but but yeah. not that much I can I can kind of bring sketches and we work mm -hmm. on them together and maybe something cool will happen something maybe not um, mm -hmm. But regardless, they're here for a week, and we can sort of experiment together. Mm -hmm. um, so that that has been definitely very, very useful to me. Mm -hmm. um, and in terms of my colleagues, yeah, I don't know. I I think uh, it's not only that that we're good friends, but also I think we all really respect and value each other's work. Mm -hmm. And so that has allowed us to have really interesting conversations i think where mm -hmm. we kind of all grow together yeah mm -hmm. that's maybe what i can say mm -hmm. cool yeah thank you so much julio and yeah uh, thank you. enjoy boston <laughs> thanks yeah <laughs> <laughs> no thank you again for yeah for joining us for this and taking the time um and yeah i'm excited to see how these pieces these new pieces that we are kind of pointing to in the future are, mm -hmm. uh are going to be like uh and uh Yeah. yeah, thanks for the invitation. I really appreciate the interest. For sure, for sure.
Thank you so much for listening to the interview. I hope you found it interesting. Be sure to uh, find us on all the socials. Um, we are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We are probably everywhere. Find us. Um, you know, wherever you're listening to our podcast, remember to um, like uh, the podcast. That would do us a huge favor. Uh, and we are excited to hear what you think and if you have any recommendations for uh, uh, our next episodes. Oh, yeah. And also, if you can, please, if we could ask of you to please rate and review the podcast, because that is very helpful for people finding the podcast. Also, sharing the podcast with your friends if you're listening to this secretly and uh, you're not wanting to uh, let anyone know that you're a huge music nerd, please just break the news to your friends that you like weird music and send them our podcast so that they can maybe get a little bit of the backstory from the horse's mouth. <laughs> uh, stay with us. We got um, a lot of uh, interesting music coming up in the coming weeks. As soon as it comes out of the oven. Fresh um, weirdness, fresh out of the oven. Love it. <laughs> All right. Uh, Aaron, thank you so much for being here with me. Um, it's a pleasure. And Always thanks pleasure. to you. Thanks to you, listener, listeners. And thank you for the music. For the music. I'm nothing special. In fact, I'm a bit of a bore. If I tell a joke, you've probably heard it before.